This is Upload Media. People say anywho. That is something that really bothers me. Oh! <gasps> Hello. We're back. We're Welcome. In- Welcome back <laughs> Welcome to, to us. Welcome to our show. <laughs> to us. <laughs> to other and your favorite podcast. It's your favorite host on your favorite podcast, <laughs> Sarah and Caleb. Yes. Yes. We love you. Thank you for tuning in again. You keep coming back. Oh, for more. It's really surprising sometimes. <laughs> but we're all here. Yay. Yes. Um, Sarah, you had a big thought before we I started <laughs> and now I need to know. Okay. So I wanted to share with, um, my favorite people, Caleb and Robin here and now our listeners yeah. that I hate Kelly Clarkson. Oh my and God. We've talked about this before that I fucking hate Kelly Ugh. and it's, I don't even know what it is about her. I don't know what it is. It's just so savage. She just gets on my nerves okay. and I because I have switched careers and I have more time at home right after Good Morning America comes on is Kelly Clarkson's show. So I've been seeing a lot more of her than I normally see, which is why I even care that she exists in the world. Honestly, if I didn't see her, I wouldn't care. Yesterday, I went to MoCo last night for karaoke night and this girl came up to me. And she was like, are you going to do karaoke? And I was like, no, because my karaoke partner in crime, Caleb, was MIA from the scene. And wasn't invited. You wouldn't have wanted to go. That's true. <laughs> you were quarreling with <laughs> the person that I was with. But I was like, are you going to do karaoke? And she was like, yes. And I was like, what song are you going to do? Fucking Kelly Clarkson. Miss Independent. And mm. I was like, I fucking hate Kelly Clarkson. And I don't think that she expected me to say that when she was like, Kelly Clarkson. I was like, fuck Kelly Clarkson. Oh, no. And I know she was this young, cute little you white probably broke her girl. Little heart. She's like, why? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I just really just do. She shattered her world. But I was like, you go ahead and kill it. And she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, she you know, did what? not kill it. There are not very many people who can sing like Kelly Clarkson because that. That girl can sing. She can sing. It's not even her. It's not her voice. It's her. It's her, who she is as a person that just grates on you. Yeah. Wow. I just, I know her so well, I you know. I just don't know what she ever did to hurt you. And that makes me sad. It's because she she keeps singing covers of other people's songs. What, is she supposed to come up with a new yes. song every episode of her TV show? Yeah, she's no. an artist. That's a lot of pressure to put on an artist. It takes like months to years for even like i'm trying to think of a musical genius frank ocean to come out with a new album let's not even get on the topic of frank ocean did you hear about his coachella performance? i did <laughs> i first heard about it i was at work and somebody was like what's going on with frank ocean and i was like what do you mean did he what's release happening? an album like yeah i was like what's going on they were like oh there's some like drama online and i looked it up and it's some stupid coachella bullshit yeah, he basically let everybody down. Oh, like went well, on stage. You know what? I think he's allowed to do that. Yeah, but you know what? When we're when you're paying the amount of money that those people probably paid to see an actual performance, you expect 
an okay. actual performance. To be honest, I feel that most people who are going to Coachella are going to go be seen at Coachella, not necessarily to go see things or people perform at Coachella. You oh, know what I mean? Okay. I've not been, so I don't know. I feel like it's more of like a social event as opposed to like, you know, an actual concert. So they expected the performers to suck. No, I just don't think that they're actually there for that. Okay. So they weren't super let down by Frank not doing much. Oh, I'm sure they are, quote unquote, for their, you know, influencer status. You know, like, I have to be upset about this one thing that happened to me at this concert that I spent thousands of dollars on. Well, I know. And I'm trying to think. Of my daddy's money. Uh, You know, that's just kind of how I feel about it. Blonde came out in 2016. Yeah. So half of those kids at Coachella were like 12. Right. And couldn't relate. Right. I feel like Blonde could be the soundtrack to almost every and any day in my life. Mm. I actually journaled that. I was like, Blonde goes with everything. Yeah. It like reminds me of warm summer nights, but Mm -hmm. it also reminds me of cold winter nights when it's all dark (laughs) (laughs) feels like whatever (laughs) i I just it (laughs) it goes with everything is what i'm trying to say the warm summer (laughs) nights and the cold winter nights (laughs) i don't know if you were expecting something more poetic to come out i don't know what i was expecting but when it happened i I was into it so well it reminds me of (laughs) Everything is the yeah. point I was trying to make. Like <laughs> drugs, <laughs> sobriety, yeah. sex, chastity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it reminds me of chastity, but yeah, absence, abstinence. Right. <laughs> I love that album, by the way. Anyway, <laughs> I say all that to say, fucking Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> I hate her. And I'd rather Frank Ocean uh, just sing. Do you know what? I'm going to have to just start. Inserting Kelly Clarkson quotes and lyrics into every episode from here on out. It's just going to have to happen. Please don't. I'm going to do it. I'm going to. That girl deserves your love. She doesn't. She has worked hard. And I think the thing that pisses me off, too, about (laughs) Kelly is she'll be in, like, fucking designer clothes, and they're so ugly. Ugh. Uh, Her taste isn't great. No. And I can look at something and be like, I bet she's this is like a Balenciaga outfit. And I'll then because I'm ADHD, I'll go to her Instagram and I will look up like who she's wearing. And I'm like, God, you fucked it up. (laughs) Kelly Clarkson fucked up Balenciaga. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I don't know how to take that. Do you know, I think that I, I. I'm a little frustrated, I'll be honest. I think she should feel free to express herself however she feels to and wear the clothes that she feels that she wants to. And maybe her team, her dressers, aren't doing as great of a job as they could be. But you know what? Live your best life, Kelly Clarkson. I just feel like I would dress her differently. Oh, okay. And I wouldn't let her just dishonor (laughs) The fiend art, yeah. The fashion industry. Right. Oh, and the way wow. she does it. 
But well, <laughs> let's put that to rest okay. for the time being. Kelly Clarkson, sorry, I am so Kels. sorry. I do love you. I don't. Um, how is you? How have you been? How's your week been? <laughs> What's new? Oh, I. Uh, uh, it's a hard question oh. to answer these days. You know why? It's because I uh, am not doing much of anything that I know how to like describe to people, or how to like. Put into terms that make sense for like productivity. You know, like I haven't been up to anything externally, but then there's been a lot of like internal work. That's heavy. Yeah, but not really either. You know, mm. I think there's <clears throat> um, been a lot of resting and a lot of settling in and a lot of like introspection without Ooh. a lot of like heaviness. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe. Um, Self-discovery is something that I can say that I've been up to. Cool. But like in a very um, passive way. Mm. I'm letting things open up as they want to. Are you just observing? I am just observing. That's exactly what I'm doing. And I'm de- I've decided to do that as a lifestyle recently. So I'm not trying to like do as much as I normally would be or have been in the past. Be? Yeah, I'm just trying to be. I'm it's out here being hard. me. Being a being. Yeah, being a being. Yeah. Mm. I like that for and you. It's, uh, yeah, it's been nice. So it's like my days are really long, but really short at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday feels like two years ago. Mm. Like I feel like I'm on a lot of drugs. I was going to say. But the drugs are just like brain chemicals, time. I think. Endorphins. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Fucking endorphins. What? That's what it feels like. Dopamine. What Whoa. is that? <laughs> I'm Where so have you been? Happy for you. Oh, thank you. What about you? Um, not much. Today is one of my favorite holidays. What's thank that? you, Robin, for reminding us. It's 420. And oh, you don't pfft. you don't care because you don't smoke I weed. Don't. It does bad things to my body. I get like sick every time I smoke. <sighs> I know that everyone's cannabinoid system is different. Right. My cannabinoid system loves cannabinoids. And, and I do love that for you. Responds well. Yeah. And I also just want to bring attention on this blessed holiday to all of the people that are spending time in prison for marijuana Mm -hmm. and how fucking petty and stupid and wasteful garbage and harmful and almost predatory. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's oppressive. Mm hmm. To very specific groups of people Mm -hmm. and targeted. Yeah. Targeted. And let's just remember that right now, lots of white people are getting rich off of the the devil's lettuce. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people of color who we're paying for to be in prison. Right. Not not thrilled. So for all of you that enjoy this holiday. Think um, about that. Fucking smoke on that. (laughs) (laughs) Put that in your blunt and smoke it. But also, you know, enjoy your freedom, man, because you're out here getting to smoke weed. Right. And there are people outside of the confines of, you know, the legal system. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, exercise your freedom. Exercise it and legalize it. Right. Mm -hmm. At the same damn time. It was actually funny that I was at work the other day and they have this special they call the 420 Burger. Oh, and there's a bunch of like. <laughs> and where is that workplace? Uh, I don't want to tell people where I work at. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that they deserve that information. If you know, you know. Oh. Right? Okay. If you know me and you care about me, then you'll know. Oh. 
Caleb is a feisty one today. I anyway, am. I'm feeling feisty. Anyway. Tell us about this burger. This burger was a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> it was pepper jack with salami and a peanut butter marshmallow banana fluff and a dinosaur <laughs> gummy. And did I say salami? <laughs> Pickled jalapenos. Oh, a uh, hot Cheeto um, <coughs> puppy chow. It looked disgusting. I'm here to say. Um, with tater tots and a dinosaur gummy and a fried pickle and a buffalo chicken wing. It looked like a hot, disgusting mess. Apparently, it tasted really good. People were talking about it. Anyway. I believe um, it. It was a bunch of white people who I was telling the special to. Shocker. They were like, oh, does it come with like a big fat doobie? And I was like, oh. <laughs> you guys are so funny. <laughs> Not in Kim Reynolds, Iowa. Oh. You know, they were like, oh. Oh, and I was like, maybe not the right people to talk to about that right now. <laughs> but, Learn your audience, Caleb. Right. <laughs> Sometimes I just can't censor myself quick enough. I like this version of you that we're seeing lately. I know. I'm feeling very like mm, authentic and embodied. You know what I mean? I'm just like living in my body. In your truth. Right. And like not trying to really like censor myself. Don't or ever like be censor anybody shit. that I don't want to be for mm. people, you know? And yes. I think a lot of that's actually come from not being around people. Really? Yeah. Mm. Which I think is so weird for me because I'm not that person. I'm like very much an extrovert. I'm very much a social butterfly. You are. But I've been a hermit for the past like six months and it's been so weird. I love it. I love that for you. I know. I'm like leaning into it now. Mm-hmm. I was like fighting it for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, ooh, this is rich. It is rich. It's, it's like lush. Caviar. Ooh. You that know, it's like that expensive, expensive butter. Yes. Yeah. Yes, the carry gold. Yes, butter. the Irish butter. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> yes. I did at one point think that I, you know, I was like, ooh, I'll splurge. And I spent like however much money on that like brick of carry gold Irish butter. And yeah. it was worth it. It actually <laughs> is. Like it really is. Right. I'm like, yes, five dollars for a quarter pound of butter. Absolutely. Yeah, sign me up, baby. Yes. <laughs> and let's put it on everything that yeah. we can. Right. I know. It's a sad story. I really love that for you. Thank you. I love being alone. Mm. As you yeah. know. You're like leagues ahead of me. You know I know. What I, mean? like I know. Just so much more of a developed person. I'm not. I just don't like You're people. So you like highly people. Highly like evolved. I don't think it has anything to do with evolution of self. Well, I it's think just... it's just hatred of people. Oh, well, that's that. <laughs> and I get so drained. If I mm. have to, I mean, and not always this particular setting of talking, but when I have to talk for a long time or be around a lot of people who aren't in my close circle, I am exhausted. And then I have to take a break and be alone for a long time to recover. Mm. And it's interesting because in my home, I talk the least out of my children. Obviously, I mean, kids talk a lot. Out of the people in your home. Yes. Yeah, but that makes sense. I just could go days being quiet if I had the choice and miss nothing. That is uh, very different than my life, mm-hmm. for sure. Um because even when I'm alone in my house, I'm talking either to myself or to my cat. And it's like audible. Like I feel like I, I kind of need to auditory. myself. I guess I don't consider talking to myself as talking, <laughs> which is crazy. That is. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm interested by that experience for you, though. I talk to myself all the time. Out loud. Yes. Okay, cool. Then I'm not the crazy one. No, but I don't. 
I mean, if I am the crazy one, then you're as crazy as I am. Well, we knew. Which is helpful. Yes. For me. Good. I'm I'm glad we're crazy together in our little crazy pod. (laughs) If our listeners didn't already know. I'm pretty sure they knew. (laughs) They knew long ago that we were crazy. If you're still listening, then you're into it. Bless your heart. You're probably just (laughs) as crazy as we are. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Yeah, I I love alone time. Mm. So something else that happened this week. Um we were just talking about it. Um, I started our yoga class for people of color yes. at the breathing room, which was a goal of mine probably since I've started um, teaching yoga was to be able to create a space that was safe and sacred for people of color to mm-hmm. practice their mind, body, and spirit wellness and maintenance. Yeah, and we had a great first class. I was really humbled and grateful that you said there were a lot of people who showed up. There were. It was like a normal class size for me, so that made me feel really good. And everyone was all colorful and beautiful, and they all said they appreciated the space, which just made me feel good that I could hold that space for them. Mm. And that's one of the things I love the most about the breathing room, where we both teach yoga, is that it's it truly is inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually do the things that we say we do. Yeah, we do try and create the safe spaces. Mm-hmm. We do invite everyone to participate, and we make it accessible, which I love. And not every place does that, as you know, as um, a gay man. Yeah. So this week I had a post on or a comment on my post um, for the people of color class. And it was uh, presumably a white person who commented and said, can white people of color come to your class? In so many words. And I was like, (sighs) (laughs) (sighs) 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 I didn't know what to say. There's part of me that knew exactly what the fuck I wanted to Mm -hmm. say. And I'm sure we could all imagine what those words would sound like based on things we've all heard me say before. But then there's the part of me that's like, Sarah's running a business. <laughs> we can't treat people like you want to sometimes. So um, it was a really interesting experience. And I think two things happened. For one, the way that I was supported by Sarah Driscoll, who owns the studio, she wasn't like scared or uncomfortable or had a moment of reconsidering the idea to hold this particular space but her question was do you feel safe and should I go grab some boxers down the street so that they can provide physical security during your class and I was like oh touched Mm. um and no I don't feel unsafe but again I feel like we're always talking about ways to recognize and perform allyship in true, tangible ways. And right. she continuously does that consistently all the time. So I'm really grateful yeah. to have an ally like that. But also, it made me think, like, yeah, if people are getting pissed off and noticing and commenting and feeling away, then I'm doing my job as an activist mm. and a space holder. So fuck you. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting because it brings up for me uh, this idea of like the way that you would want to respond 
to the kind of confrontation like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it's just online, it's still kind of like, a, oh, somebody has some shit to say. Mm-hmm. How do I go about responding? Mm-hmm. And for me, I conceptualize or try to, you know, form these ideas of like how I would try to respond in those moments. Um, but anytime that's ever happened to me, it's just like sometimes my mind just goes blank and it's like, oh, how do I actually even not clap back, you know, because I don't necessarily know if that's like the right way to, for me to go about it, you know, depending on the situation. Um, but sometimes it's hard to figure out how to react respond or react yeah and uh i'm grateful for sarah the way that she responded to that situation for you me too yeah i feel like it's nice to know that we're supported Mm -hmm. i saw this quote i wish i could remember exactly what it said or where i saw it but it was basically like if you're going to be an ally you need to be prepared to Mm -hmm. Stand in the trenches with those that you are fighting yeah. with and mm-hmm. for and receive basically the same shit treatment that whatever marginalized community you're fighting with yeah. receives. Mm. And I feel like for most people, it's really easy to say you're an ally or say you're doing the work or you're advocating for a certain person or group or thing. And then when shit gets hard or uncomfortable or you start to feel unsafe. Um, and it doesn't even have to be physical safety. It could be a perceived threat to, you know, your mental or emotional safety. Right. Um, people pull out and yeah. they don't want to participate anymore. <clears throat> but for people that, you know, are really in it, that's not a choice for them. Right. And that's that sweet spot of like tension and action where Mm -hmm. you have to like keep pushing and you know you're making a difference when you start to feel that Mm -hmm. so i'm just really grateful that we're surrounded by amazing people yeah me too and especially people who have like i guess who choose to like stay in that place that's kind of uncomfortable to like fight the fight Mm -hmm. because i think the times that i've ever been in a confrontation like that i like i I got aggressive, Mm -hmm. you know, and I got like real sassy, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And I just like I think back to those times or to that experience and like what it, you know, if I helped or if I was, you know, too much or whatever. But, you know, I guess if anything, I'm grateful for the experience for, I don't know, being able to stand up for somebody that I loved and cared about. Mm -hmm. So I think there's nothing wrong with getting sassy. As you know, right? <laughs> I'm all, <laughs> I'm all about it. I right. like a good confrontation, and confrontation does not have to be negative, and you don't have to be mm. mean, right? But it is a time for everyone to um, be on the same page and yeah. communicate and hear sides. But sure, you know that's when confrontation becomes nasty. Is when you are participating with someone who who is not there to understand or to improve the situation right. with they're just being a troll basically. Totally. Um, I think there's also that kind of discomfort that comes from, you know, I guess letting go of any kind of expectation of changing people, mm-hmm. you know, that you, I can't change people. I can only offer, you know, my perspective and, you know, facts, mm-hmm. which some people don't, you know, respond to. Um, but I have to let that go that like I that's not in my power. They have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. All I can do is stand up 
and say what I have to say. Yep. Or Amen. act the way I need to. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, you're so eloquently spoken. I don't know. I do. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. So what else? Um, should, should we talk about my mushroom journey? <laughs> Actually, I would love to. <laughs> so we are very uh, pro um, psychedelic drugs here. Love them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, this winter, started microdosing, which I know that you have done that in the past. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in our little friendship circles uh, dabble in the psychedelics. I am one of those people who's very nerdy. So I watch, I mean, I watch and I read documentaries and articles all about psychedelics and the range of benefits that it can have um, for mental illness, particularly depression. And what are you? I'm putting the toy down. Okay. (laughs) I I can't wait till we could all watch us because there's so much shit that happens outside the context of what you're hearing. Right. Because you just can't see it. I just am realizing I'm so ADD right now. Like I have to fidget with something and it's so silly. We'll have to get like pipe cleaners. Yeah. Ooh, that would That's be That's what fun. I get for um, people I train. Texture. So you can yeah. do something and it's quiet. Sensory experience. Yes. Uh huh. Okay. So back to our podcast. Right. <laughs> I love psychedelics. I love learning about things like that. So I microdosed this winter. It was the fucking best. And what I have learned truly is that mushrooms will amplify whatever the fuck is going on in your head. But it's not just the shit that's on the surface. It's like the deep thoughts Mm, that you may not. Yes. That you may not be living in in that moment, but that are still there and want to come out to play. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, I've had experiences that are different and not what I all of the time anticipated. So a couple of weeks ago, I was like, all right, I have no kids. I want, I just want to reset. I had been feeling frazzled because there's been a lot of changes in my own life with my career change and all of this family that I've been meeting and I, and family I've been shedding. And I'm like, I want to recenter. So I took a big old dose of mushrooms on a Sunday morning and went on a very intense journey. It was so amazing. And I have to say, I was telling my therapist about this. And poor, I know she just looks at me like, oh, my God. And well, who's better to talk to about it? I know. She's told me several times. She's like, just so you know, I'm a mandatory reporter. You don't sound like you have actual drug problems. I'm like, thank you. I don't. But yeah, I love talking to my therapist. I don't about think that. mushrooms are addictive. They're not, but you know the marijuana drugs too. Oh, or also not addictive. Yeah, and I have children, so like she's looking at it from like, are you oh, are you sure. putting okay, everyone at harm? No, right. I am not, and I don't do this stuff while my children are present. Mm. FYI, they were gone. So I did my big dose of mushrooms and I went out in the woods and before long, like everything was wavy and my world was moving and I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Did you feel like you were floating? Kind of. Because I always feel that way when I'm on mushrooms. It was floaty, but it was like also I it was like everything else was moving but me Mm. and I could look at something and like make it stop or I could hear the wind and I could pinpoint like the one leaf 
that the wind was moving and I could see it and I could see cells on plants and I could like see fucking you were watching photosynthesis I was I was literally watching like plants bloom and grow in Mm -hmm. front of my eyes and I was like oh my gosh this is so weird and then I was like I need to go home I was out in the woods so I started to walk back home, and when I got there, I this was an intentional journey for me. So I was alone. Um, I had a plan. I had an intention. I journaled through. <laughs> I just like I'm. I, as an aside, I think that if you ever decide to, you know, do these drugs, that they should be intentionally done. Yes. Don't unintentionally get blasted. No. That's not going to be a fun experience because you're going. To lose your mind. Yes, you will. And I had that moment where I was like, what the fuck did you do? And like, <laughs> what is this going to stop? What is this going to do to my body? Oh my God, what did oh I no! do? This? And I've, you know, they say that there are times in <clears throat> journeys where people get freaked out because they think my mind is just like this. Mm. This is me now. Right. This and is I, forever. Yeah. This is who I am <laughs> as a person. And I had that thought where I was like, oh, this isn't cool. And then I was like, no, you're safe. Like the doors are mm. locked. You've got your journal. I think it's natural to go through a little bit of a dip in that yeah, journey. Yeah. It, it was definitely a dip. It's a natural part uh-huh. of the journey. It was. But the cool thing was is that I journaled. So when I was all done. So smart. I know. It's, I've watched so many things and I like you this. You knew what you were doing. I did this in a very clerical, like clinical. Thank you. Yeah. Setting mm-hmm. like it was purposeful. It, I was monitoring mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. It was safe. Wow. And yeah, I, I felt like, oh, if you journal about it, then you're not <laughs> abusing drugs. You're doing it <laughs> for a purpose. Well, I think there's an aspect of like self-discovery in it. Yeah. Too, right. Like and if anything, I think that the connection to nature is really fascinating as well. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I could see the cells on my plants. I have so many house plants in my room that I was like, oh, my God, I had to close my eyes because I was like in the plant. I could see my thoughts, having thoughts, having thoughts, having thoughts. And thoughts on thoughts on thoughts on thoughts. Yeah. And my therapist was like, your thought, it's like meta thinking for mm-hmm. you because it's like a thought of a thought of a thought of a thought. Which is really interesting because you're like a thinker. Yes. For sure. And I like in my mind, I was like, whoa, look at all your thoughts. Like no wonder shit is so fucking weird up here. Mm. And I totally was able to like depart from my ego and remind myself that this experience that I'm living, we are, this is what I think in my my own weird philosophy that we are like souls trapped in a body and that we have we're actually experiencing life in two like ways we're experiencing life as our souls and we're also experiencing life as our bodies Mm. most of the time we're experiencing life as our ego body and our like representative um but there are certain moments in life where we can have experiences on a soul, mm-hmm. like cellular level. To either go deeper or like outside of the ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <clears throat> it's so much better for us when we can operate as a soul. Mm. But this world is not made for people to operate as their souls. Sure. Well, the society for sure. Right. Specifically. Yes. Yeah. So I was like, fucking kill the flesh, Sarah. And not like literally kill right. the flesh, but kill the desire to serve the flesh. 
How can we? I feel like that's like a like a, Christ, a Christian kind of you know dichotomy is the flesh versus the spirit. It is, right? yeah, it is. And I, you know, my background is Christianity. That's how mm-hmm. I was raised. So I think when I get into the weird philosophical place, that's where I go. Mm-hmm. But also, I have a huge spiritual center and background too. So I'm like, how how can we just turn it off? How can we turn mm. off the ego and live fully? In our spirit self. And it was just a really powerful six hours <laughs> that never felt like it was going to end. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot about myself. And I think that I'm thankful. I was, I came away feeling really thankful for my ADHD because I'm like, if you didn't think weird shit all the time, mm. the things that you're thinking now would be really outside your grasp. Sure. Like if you weren't neurodivergent in a way, yes. that, like, you wouldn't be able to, like to you wouldn't already there. kind of feel like you're thinking other ways yeah. of thinking. But I, I, I yes. I... Yes. But it wasn't abstract for me to like have this experience and have these thoughts because I'm right. there. But our brain stops us from going mm. there. I'm loving this topic. Yeah. I'm loving where we're going. But let's give our our listeners a break. Okay. (laughs) From us. (laughs) (laughs) From those that didn't want to journey with us. Right. Okay. Well, stay tuned. We have more for you. Oh, we have more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We're back. I love this music. I don't know what that came from, but I love that. That was so soothing. It is soothing, isn't it? And do you know what is soothing, Sarah? Your presence, your company, and your voice. Okay, first of all. Just take the fucking compliment. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) Uh, Okay. You were going to deflect. You were going to throw that away. I was. I was. I was going to tell you how wrong you were. Right. Well, stop it. Okay. Okay. So uh, we've been on this topic of drugs and drugs. Um, that experience for Sarah. And I it's come into my brain space that I think a lot of the reason why I um, am fa- so fascinated by drugs or by hallucinogens or mind-altering um, substances, um, I think is an aspect of introspection. Introspection. That I think there's a kind of a deep dive into um you know altering your state of consciousness i think that feels really like refreshing Mm -hmm. you know because i think that you know like the ego it's so um constructed yep it's so not forced maybe forced i don't know i'm gonna have to explore that later but um it's like a, a building you know it's like kind of constructed um that altering your sense of consciousness kind of gives you some freedom to explore life in a bigger way maybe i I agree it like gives your brain the permission or it takes away the ability to ask for permission sure it just puts you there yeah and i had a friend the other day who was like i had the worst trip and i was like did you have a bad trip or did you have the trip that you needed and she was like oh and my therapist said that to me wow which is you know why I love going to therapy because sure. I can be uh, all insightful. I also love therapy too. Mm-hmm. It helps me like deconstruct my ego 
and to definitely be more introspective because mm-hmm. I think there's a level of like, you know, I, 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 I think I'm self-aware, but I think that doesn't necessarily always like correlate to, you know, figuring out why I'm acting the way that I'm acting or like uh, give me resources to act differently. Maybe. Yeah. You know, speaking of drugs, <clears throat> um, you've been sober for a while. I have. Quantos dias? How many days? Um, well, I've been on this journey of sobriety since probably April of last year. Um, with some pretty heavy falls in between, which is which is a normal. part of yeah, which is I think a part of my recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I it's. Mm, I haven't I don't really talk about it as much because I think it's a kind of a deeply personal thing for me in my recovery to um, kind of relate my experience. Um, but it became unhealthy for me to drink. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I was using alcohol or substances to run away from myself instead of towards myself. Mm. You know, so I think drugs can go a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, I yeah. Uh, right now I'm 60 something days sober. I am proud of you. Oh, actually, probably 70 something. Thank you. That's um, hard. It is. It's uh, once you get over that hump, it's a lot easier. And I think it's even better when you have a community of people who are, you know, willing to hold space for you mm-hmm. and to encourage you and to offer support. Um, so I'm lucky in that regard mm-hmm. that I have a lot of people who are in my corner and people who, you know, have kind of held my hand and comforted me um, through the process of, you know, letting go of the th- shit that I've put myself through or put them through, you mm-hmm. know, even. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of resources out there, I think, you know, for people who are struggling with, you know, addiction or substance abuse issues. Um, because I think it's deeper than the substance itself. Like, I don't think that alcohol itself is evil. But when it comes into my system and the way that I use it, it, it transforms into something negative for me. Do you feel like there's any stigmas that exist surrounding addiction or drugs or alcohol um, and being a gay man? Oh, uh, yeah, that's a great question, actually. I do think that um, I think socially gay men specifically, because that's my experience. I'm a gay man. Um, I think we're kind of heralded maybe as party people you Mm -hmm. know because i think a lot of us don't have children we don't have you know um typical um jobs i think there's stereotypes about us you know that exist for you know a reason because there's a lot of us that you know end up doing certain things over others um but i think it's like part of like quote-unquote gay culture Mm. to you know party and to um go to places like fire island or um raves or to you know i think like the first couple of like experiences i had as a gay person were at gay bars Mm -hmm. you know and i think that's you know traditionally like a 
a safe space and was the only safe space for gay people to exist as themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really fascinating concept to kind of dive into for sure. Um, but the stigma definitely exists, I think, for uh, queer gay people mm-hmm. that we, uh, you know, are hooligans of sorts because mm-hmm. we party too much or we drink too much or whatever. And I think there's something deeper there, but maybe that's a topic for another podcast episode maybe um another thing i think we were talking about or touched on that i think is interesting um is uh the way that drugs exist or substances exist in in our culture separately from dominant culture Mm -hmm. you know that i think like when you think of 420 like what do you think of you think of like uh bob marley or rasafarians or um yeah snoop dogg you know people who are of color um right yeah i was just thinking um i feel like as a creative Mm. they're most most creative people take drugs yeah which that might be a stereotype. I mean, the fucking Beatles were high I know. as balls. I know. And that I actually just watched a documentary that talked about how it's so accepted mm. in creative world sure. amongst creatives mm-hmm. to be under the influence. But also a lot of Rastafarians were leaders in their communities sure. when it came to the to the legalization and acceptance mm-hmm. of cannabis. And a lot of their music... Um, like Peter Tosh, Bob Marley, it is it brings awareness to the injustices surrounding people of color in mm-hmm. particular and drugs. Um, it kind of normalizes marijuana use in particular mm-hmm. and makes it like more accessible. It destigmatizes it too. It does. You know, I think there's like you know I can remember. Have you ever seen uh, what is that? propaganda movie from like the 40s 50s do you know what i'm talking about robin yeah okay i'm not the crazy person but they actually made a musical kind of uh making fun of it but it's like this movie where these like teenagers get high and like all these bad things happen because of weed Mm. you know and it's like okay yeah it was like a scare, you know, like, oh, my God, your kids are going to get into the devil's lettuce and like they're going to become these, you know, losers or bad things are going to happen to them. They're going to become horrible people, you know, and it's like, no, no, that's it, so dumb. It That's not true. <laughs> right. But also, like, you know, the conspiracy theorist in me is like, well, of course, the government, the fucking evil government wants to take away the opportunity for people to have any experience that might free them from the constructs and constraints that we are living with every day. Sure. Um, One of the things I was watching in a documentary was saying that the government was so scared because things like psychedelics alter time Mm. and the government and, you know, not just the government. I'm not that huge of a conspiracy theorist, but I feel like Anything to take you away from what the popular dominant culture is, is mm-hmm. not what we want to do. And I can't remember. I wish I would have looked this up before, but there was one president 
someone knows who's listening, who basically stopped all the research on cannabis, stopped all the research on psychedelics and was mm. like, trash it, throw it away. We're done. And I'm like, like anything that even was like remotely positive. It was all positive. Research, right? Yeah. And I'm like, like, oh, we can't let this research get out. Yeah. We can't show anyone. And so a lot of and the pioneers of um, using psychedelics in a clinical setting, they had done so much work mm-hmm. to push the needle and make it more accessible and normalized. And then the United States was like, nope, not here. We can't have the kids getting high or, you know, being open, open minded. But I'm like, if everyone would just take a mushroom once, like Mm -hmm. things like racism and homophobia would be gone. They just would. I really do. Mm -hmm. Because it makes no, I mean, for one, it doesn't make sense. But mm. if you could actually open your mind and leave, again, your ego yeah. at the door, then it. what's the point in those things being? Right. This is actually a really good, uh, I don't know, I don't, don't want to call it a caveat or whatever, but like another thing that I was thinking about <clears throat> while you were talking about your mushroom experience or even just now was that like uh, there's a, an experience of like almost like a spiritual nature in taking drugs. Yep. If you believe in a spiritual, you know, existence or, um, yeah, I don't know if you're like a spiritual person or not, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, but for me, my concept about spirituality has kind of shifted, you know, cause I grew up in the church and whatnot. Um, that there's more for me, what spirituality is, is connection. Mm-hmm. Is that there's like looking towards something that outside of me that connects me to everybody else. And that that to me feels that's what my spiritualism is mm-hmm. in a kind of loosely, um, poorly defined way. And I think in a lot of ways, <laughs> hallucinogens or drugs kind of help us do that. Mm-hmm. That like, you know, you were showing pictures about of the of the nature that you were experiencing <laughs> while you were on your trip. Um, but guys, you know, I think like we forget, a thorn. right. But we, <laughs> we forget that we're connected to nature too, yes. that we're a part of nature that we're not, it's not just like humankind and then like the plants, you know, or like we're, we're part of like a very large ecosystem, mm-hmm. you know, in the world. And, and we're all interconnected. Yeah. But we want to believe that we are like the one most important and only right. person that matters. And the opposite of, you know, connection is isolation. And I think, it's so interesting for me to, you know, read things about what's going on in like, uh, what's it, Oregon or Colorado where they're uh, decriminalizing drugs. Because what happens when you criminalize it is that you isolate these people and you make them othered people, mm-hmm. right? That they're bad people or that they've got like issues or whatever. And it's like everybody's got fucking issues, right? Um, but you're demonizing or stigmatizing people for using a substance or for you know experiencing something outside of what you believe to be you know or punishing them for having um the disease of addiction right and you're isolating them Mm -hmm. which is not what people need Mm -hmm. you know people who are have addiction issues like myself like the thing that saved me wasn't isolating me it Mm -hmm. was by having people surround me and you know, helping me and not demonizing me and not stigmatizing my addiction issues, but people who are like invested in connecting with me, mm-hmm. you know, and that's been my saving grace is connection. Mm-hmm. And that's spiritual to me mm-hmm. is my connection to other people. 
But if we connect with each other, then we're going to, you know, do away with the ideas that wars are an essential resolution right. to problems, mm. which mm-hmm. doesn't actually serve the government. Right. I feel like the older I get, I just like want to move to an island with mushrooms and marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go with you. <laughs> Sign me up, babe. I'll take that. Yeah, it sounds great. And thank you, Robin. It was Richard Nixon who put oh, a stop to Nixon, our favorite president. Nixon, one of the <laughs> one of the many. There are so many favorites. It's really hard to. They're all um, garbage. Yeah, they are. Mm. They all do suck. Yeah. Not all of them. Just most. That of them. doesn't surprise me at all, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also think about how um, in the eighties and nineties. Crack was thrown into black neighborhoods. Oh, yeah. By the CIA. Yeah. Thank you, government. Right. There we go. And it's so interesting because crack and coke are like the same oh, thing. The same drug. But for white people, mm-hmm. they had coke. Oh, yeah. And for Plenty black people, of it. they had crack. And for some reason, it's like the world viewed those as two totally different mm-hmm. things. And it's like, well, if you do coke, you're rich and you're white and it's a party drug and it's like not addictive. Right. But if you're black, then you use crack and you shoot up and you're like a Mm -hmm. fucking junkie. Right. And it's like, that's interesting how we took the same thing and just made it acceptable to use among whites and demonized Mm -hmm. the black people that used it. Right. Yeah. And then created the war on drugs because that's a problem and they're violent, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay. It actually reminds me of a like, I think it was like a TikTok thing or like a Facebook like video situation where it was like things that are classy for rich people to do but trashy for poor people to do Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of that dichotomy of like classism or racism that exists in our society that's like if you do this and and if you have money then it's like totally classy but Mm -hmm. if you're doing the same exact thing and you're poor then you're trash i always remind people america hates poor white people only a, a smidge sliver. more than black people. Mm-hmm. Not much. Right. They're almost as shitty as black people are to America. Right. But the, their saving grace is that they're white. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you, mm, we we hate poor people and we hate people of color. Right. And we will do anything to demonize mm-hmm. um, the marginalized. Right. Here. But we're going to keep making the poorer poorer. Yes. And trying to you know, isolate the people of color even more right. and scare them back to their back to their countries right? <laughs> where they belong. Uh, there's so many issues. It sometimes boggles my mind Same. how to live my life. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. It's all just so confusing. It is. It's like too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I find what's been helpful, I guess, is to focus on what I can change about myself, mm-hmm. what I can focus on for myself and to scale back my, the responsibility I put on myself maybe of like trying to influence everything, you know, trying to change the world is that I can only focus on changing myself and those are like those immediately close to me mm-hmm. that I don't have to maybe worry too much about the big picture, but I can focus on the small picture. And that sometimes that's what gets me through the day. Mm-hmm. I also for me want to keep talking about drugs Mm. uh, and not not just here but i mean keep talking about them to normalize them um talking about them in a way that 
reminding people that when you use drugs, it doesn't have to be in an abusive um, way. Right. I think when you are when you are intentional about and not just drugs, anything that you use in excess, mm -hmm. TV, exercise, food. food love i mean mm -hmm. it can all be harmful yeah so to be mindful and to set an intention before you jump into anything is always mm -hmm. the thing to do but also being safe totally. um, and if we can destigmatize drug use then it will you know free people to seek help i think about all of the places like on the west coast that have free testing sites for drugs mm. um because addiction is an illness yeah and for those people that are sick we don't want them using drugs that will kill them right we want them to be safe i don't want to see prisons full of black people at crazy disproportionate rates right i want to see psychedelics used to treat things like ptsd mm -hmm. and severe depression. And depression yeah yeah and i will say that this is the first year that I have not had like a major depressive low in the winter. Mm. And I, you know, part of me's like, it's cause we shroomed. And then part of me's like, uh, you also like left your job in the middle of winter and totally mm. changed. There's a lot of variables there. Sure. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what, if that's what it was cool and I will mm -hmm. take it. And I think the things I experience and learn when I am under the influence is making me a better person when I'm not. And sure. also the ways I've eliminated stress have changed my own use of things like marijuana and sure. alcohol. Mm -hmm. So again, it's the intention, being intentional with what you're doing. Totally. Being mindful, not just consuming because it's present, but having having some intention. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So keep advocating and normalizing and supporting those around you who do struggle with addiction. Yeah. Um, I think what we'll do is maybe even add some resources for you at the bottom of our episode today if addiction is a part of your life or if you're afraid that addiction is a part of your life. Because mm -hmm. um, sometimes it can be scary to admit to yourself mm -hmm. that you might be addicted to something. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, please reach out to us. Sarah and I would love to you know, hear from you, talk to you about these things. Um, because we love you and we care about our community and um, the people who listen to us. Yeah. And remember, we're not trained um, therapists. Right. But <laughs> so don't expect too much. But right. we can point you in the direction of people that can help. Absolutely. We can go to meetings with you. Mm -hmm. We can babysit you while you trip. That'd be fun. That can, would be fun. Maybe that's what we should <laughs> maybe do. Maybe let's hold another retreat for <laughs> a massive Logan's mushroom gonna trip. Logan's going to be like, Robin, cut it. <laughs> cut it out. Cut it out. That can't be used. <laughs> that would be awesome. Right. Well, um, it's been a fun episode. I didn't know this is where we were going to go, but I'm like really into it. I love this journey for us. Oh, I love this journey uh, for us. Love yes. it. Thank you guys mm. so much for listening. Uh, yeah, thank you. And as always, uh, check us out on the Upload uh, Media website and uh, do us a favor and uh, subscribe and let us uh, let them know that you'd like to listen to us. So, uh, yeah. And please go follow us on the social media on the channels on the social, on the gram. <laughs> the gram. <laughs> Bye. Love you.